Artificial sweeteners are back in the headlines once again. The WHO recently classified aspartame as a, quote, possible carcinogen. Well, what exactly does that mean? We're going to dig into the science behind that decision and what the research tells us about the health effects of artificial sweeteners. And we want to hear from you. What are your questions about artificial sweeteners? Our number, 844-724-8255-844-SCI-TALK, or tweet us at SciFry. Joining me now to talk about all things artificial sweeteners are my guests, Margie McCullough, Senior Science Director of Epidemiology Research at the American Cancer Society based in Atlanta, and Dr. Walter Willett, Professor of, of Epidemiology and Nutrition at Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Welcome both of you to Science Friday. Thank you. Good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Nice to have you. Uh, Dr. McCullough, there's a lot of confusion about the term possible carcinogen. Can you explain what that category actually means? Okay, well, um, yes, uh, it's understandable that that's confusing. But uh, possible carcinogen is one of four categories that the International Agency for Research on Cancer's monograph program, um, which is one of the four classifications that, that uh, an agent can fall into after, uh, after being you know, critically reviewed uh, by a team of scientists. So possible carcinogen means that um, an, an agent is possibly carcinogenic to humans. This category is generally used when, uh, when there's limited evidence of carcinogenicity in humans um, or there's sufficient evidence of carcinogenicity in experimental animals or strong mechanistic evidence. But there are established criteria to identify, mm. um, to classify an agent into one of four categories, and, and that ranges from group one, definite carcinogen, group 2A is probable carcinogen, 2B is a possible carcinogen, and then and then there's not classifiable group three. So mm -hmm. 2B is one, one step up from not classifiable. Mm. You, you were part of the committee that helped determine or decide, uh, weighed the research to make this decision. How do you decide what category to put it in? How, how, how did the committee weigh the research to make this decision? Uh, well, yes, I was one of the 25 scientists that reviewed the evidence. And, and there, there are four groups that evaluate the science when it comes to um, how, you know, global exposure of humans to aspartame, and then there's a group that reviews the evidence for human, from human studies, and then another group that reviews the evidence from animal studies and then mechanistic studies to see whether or not an agent could, you know, plausibly, you know, have plausible mechanisms to cause cancer. So the four groups review the evidence, uh, you know, in detail and then come back together and, and make a, um, a, a you need know, to have a consensus determination of the final conclusion but but you re there are criteria to follow for whether um, the, and if study is informative you know based on the study size the study quality etc mm -hmm. so so how should folks understand this research in terms of making their own personal decisions should folks consider cutting out diet soda well it, it, it IARC, uh reviewed it, it, that's uh International Agency for Research on Cancer, for short. IARC reviewed the evidence in late June, and then shortly thereafter, another organization called um, 
JECFA, which is the Joint Expert Committee on Food Additives, evaluated the safety and the risk associated with aspartame. And they, they, they uh, reinstated the acceptable daily intake limit of 40 milligrams per kilogram. And that, you know, based on their review, that, that you know, because it's on body weight, it, it mm. depends on how your, what your body size is and how much aspartame is in a particular product. But that could equate to like 10 or 15 cans of diet soda. And if, in, if that's your only source of aspartame. So people can take this news that, you know, take a look at their diets, time to reflect upon what you're doing. If you're only consuming um, artificially sweetened beverages, or in this case, aspartame, um, occasionally that's not likely to be a problem. I think moderation is key. But um, mm. if you're drinking, you know, diet soda instead of water, or, or you know, really, really drinking a lot of, uh, consuming a lot of these products, you might consider cutting back. Mm-hmm. This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. Dr. Willett, uh, we often lump artificial sweeteners together in a group, but they are not all the same, right? Can you, can you explain the two broad categories? Well, that's absolutely right. There are dozens of artificial sweeteners that are being used now. Uh, and very broadly, there are uh, some like aspartame, and that's the primary sweetener used in diet sodas, which has until very recently been the overwhelming source of artificial sweeteners in human diets. Uh, and even within this group, there are very hypersweet uh, molecules, and they're very different molecules, and we therefore can't make any generalizations about possible harms mm-hmm. within these highly intense sweeteners. Uh, and then there's a whole other group called um, sugar alcohols, <clears throat> and those are uh, basically not too different than sucrose table sugar in their sweetness, but they're not absorbed or digested like sugar is or or sucrose is. And so they come with very few usable calories. And most of these pass right through the GI tract without being absorbed. We don't have the enzymes to uh, absorb them or uh, metabolize them and use them as energy. Uh, So they're going to have a totally different uh, biological effect. And I do have some concerns about those. I honestly think that, as uh, Dr. McCullough said, uh, up to a dozen or so cans of diet soda, which virtually nobody consumes, is is very safe. If there's, uh, although I wouldn't recommend it, but most importantly, uh, is to not go back to regular tables, uh, regular natural sucrose or natural sugar, and if you're because of being afraid of aspartame, we know that there's lots of harms, very definite harms we can see in terms of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and increases in cancer risk with large amounts of regular sugar in our diet. So that's the, the worst possible decision somebody could make, but to uh, go back to that uh, because of fear about aspartame. But these sugar alcohols uh, that mostly pass through our GI tract, but in quite large amounts uh, because they are they have the bulk and body of uh, table sugar. Um, we don't really have long-term human evidence on their safety, and the fact that they're entering the colon in substantial amounts uh, very likely uh, going to change the environment there, change the microbiome in ways that we don't understand at all, and we don't understand the implications of mm. those changes. So that gives me 
pause for concern about consuming those on a regular basis. And Margie, I understand you wanted to continue uh, talking about the, the decision for... for uh, oh, what? right, right. I just I realized I hadn't noted uh, the decision to classify aspartame as a group 2B or carcinogen was based on what was considered limited evidence um, on studies in humans for liver cancer. So that, that was the basis for the determination along with some limited evidence in animal studies and mechanistic studies. So there was, there was something there for each of those um, streams of evidence, but it wasn't conclusive. Okay. And it, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. But for humans, it was specifically liver cancer. Thank you. Uh, an email from Marianne in Berkeley uh, wants to know about stevia extract. Is it safe? What is it made out of? Dr. Willett? Right. It is a, uh, an extract from stevia plant, and it is one of these intensely sweet um, molecules, uh, so it's natural. But just being natural doesn't mean that it's uh, beneficial or even safe when we consume it in unnatural amounts. So, again, this is something where we have very little long-term evidence, and I th that does give me some uh, concern. And I think it's better, as Dr. McCullough said, to in general use artificial sweeteners uh, for replacing sugar and helping us get off of, say, diet sodas that are consumed in large amounts. Uh, uh, something like a nicotine patch, which isn't the best thing to be using on an everyday basis, mm -hmm. but if it can replace regular sugar uh, that in the amounts that many people are consuming is definitely harmful, then there can be some benefit in doing that. But not uh, in, in general, our diets are overly sweet, far sweeter than humans consumed until just a few hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the phones. Ava in Richfield, Minnesota. Hi, Ava. Welcome to Science Friday. Hi. Hi there. Go ahead. Hi. Yeah. Um, I was wondering about sucralose as a sweetener. Um, I don't drink enough water, and I try to do that by putting something called Mio in my water because it flavors it. But then I, I read a report that sucralose um, has negative effects on DNA. Hmm. And so you're worried about it. I sure do. Okay. Let me see if I can get an answer. Thanks for calling. Uh, uh, Dr. Willett, what is sucralose? Well, it, it is, again, one of these many different molecules that has intense sweetness. Uh, so consuming it in small amounts uh, gives us that sense of sweetness. Uh, it activates our sweetness receptors in our, in our mouth. Uh, and uh, the animal studies have suggested it's safe. That's why it's been approved by the FDA to use. But uh, again, we really don't have long-term human studies on this. And I, I think uh, people just have to realize that they're taking yeah. a little bit of a risk. Uh, uh, um, Margie, are people are, are there new sweeteners coming out all the time? I mean, do you have to keep keep track and testing them? <laughs> Well, yes, there there have been there's changes in sweeteners um, over time, and there's changes in the trends. You know, people have been over time consuming uh, a little bit less aspartame and more stevia and more sucralose, and in fact, um, you know, consumption has really increased over time, especially in kids. Uh, but it, for our studies at the American Cancer Society, we've been including questions about specific types of artificial sweeteners that we'll be able to evaluate in the future uh, in relation to cancer. But uh, 
as Dr. Willett said, there's not a lot of evidence on them so far. Mm -hmm. Let's go to, yeah, if, yes, if go I ahead. I can just add there a, a quick word that uh, of all the sweeteners, really we have the best data on aspartame. Uh, in our long-term studies, the nurses' health studies, health professionals' follow-up study, we've been following tens of thousands of people since it was introduced into the food supply in the early 1980s and updating that information every four years as we go along. And after about 30 years, we took a deep look at artificial beverage uh, uh, diet sodas, basically, um, almost all sweetened with aspartame. And there was no hint of an increase in overall cancer mortality during that time with many thousands of people who had developed cancer. So that uh, gives me a pretty confident uh, uh, conclusion that there's no big problem there. And again, much less of an impact uh, than naturally sweetened with sucrose uh, beverages. And in California, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I'm sorry, if I could just add that yes. in the studies that were reviewed for the IR uh, monograph were mostly the types of studies that Dr. Will um, describes, prospective cohort studies in humans and, and studies from, there were large studies from around the world and most of them do only have one measure of aspartame at baseline, but they have many years of data and, um, and lots of follow-up. And that's the type of data that contributed to the, to the human evidence. Mm -hmm. well, let me go to the phones, and we'll get back to uh, another question. Um, let's go to uh, Ann in California. Hi, Ann. Hi. Hi there. Go ahead. Well, many years ago, we're talking the 80s, I had repeated episodes of severe dizziness, you know, vertigo-like, um, and this was in Europe. Um, and I had been eating these candies, um, and not even that much, and it turns out there was this official government warning like we have on our cigarette packs um, that eating so many grams of sorbitol in 24 hours would cause dizziness um, you know and other symptoms but um, when I stopped it stopped and um, you know this was like the equivalent of four gumdrops you know um, and ever since I've noticed that xylitol sorbitol all the sugar alcohols cause this kind of insidious um, vertigo um, and I don't see warnings about that anymore. I can't find research anymore online, but I keep coming across friends and even family um, that get this severe vertigo, even like, you know, hauled away by ambulance, you know, in older women, it's a severe mm. symptom. Um, and then there's no explanation for it if they stop the sugar alcohols, which are in a lot of dental products and low-carb foods. Um, well, it goes away. And yeah, so let I was me. Just okay. If your guests yeah. Know about this well, that's interesting. Because Dr. Willie, you 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 honed in on sugar alcohols here, in one of. Yes, I'm not familiar with the literature on that specific symptom, but uh, in the amounts that they're being consumed, people uh, can get gastrointestinal symptoms, so cramping, loose stools, that kind of thing. That these are uh, this is, these are not small amounts like the amounts of aspartame we would be taking. And in fact, back when I was an intern in uh, the 1970s, that's how we cleaned out people's GI tract was give them a large amount of sugar alcohol. And um, uh, these will have symptoms, so mm. um, people should be aware of that. I, again, if definitely if uh, somebody is having these kind of symptoms that are being described and they get better not consuming these sugar alcohols, uh, certainly avoid them. So you're, you're not questioning whether it happens or not. You're saying you, it might happen and just don't do that when you do that. 
If that's your experience, that makes sense. Uh, Let me ask you about the WHO recently saying that artificial sweeteners should not be used in weight loss. What do you make of that? Yeah, I have to disagree with that. Uh, And they left out in their review, their uh, meta-analysis, it happens to be our study, but but it is probably the most detailed long-term study looking at weight change uh, in an observational manner. Again, we followed tens of thousands of people and compared changes in weight among people who started using diet sodas versus people who started using sugar-sweetened beverages or increased their amounts of sugar-sweetened beverages. And there was no increase in weight with uh, artificial sweeteners and definitely an increase in weight with the uh, regular sugary beverages. So, And there are other randomized trials that have looked at uh, replacing sugar-sweetened beverage with, with artificially sweetened beverages, and there were some benefits in uh, weight change. Uh, not in every study, not completely consistent, but I think in the best studies there is some benefit in helping people get off of uh, sugary-sweetened beverages. So that's the, that's the place, if we're going to use them, uh, they may have some use, sort of, again, like a nicotine patch, mm-hmm. helping people who are really having a hard time reducing their sugar-sweetened beverages. There, I think there is some role, mm-hmm. but not on a, as a primary beverage on an everyday basis for the whole of someone's life. Could there be a link between artificial sweeteners and the increased risk of heart disease? And I bring that up because there was a study in Brit- the British Medical Journal of last year of 103,000 people. And let me quote from the conclusion suggest a potential direct association between higher artificial sweetener consumption, especially aspartame, acelfamame, potassium, and sucralose, and increased cardiovascular disease risk. They remain a controversial topic. They're currently being reevaluated by the European Food Safety Authority and the WHO and other health agencies. Dr. Willett, has your studies shown any connection? Uh, we again, in that, you just uh, in that mouthful mentioned a whole bunch of different molecules, <laughs> and almost for sure they're going to have different implications for health. Again, some of those were sh- uh, were uh, sh- sugar alcohols, where I do have some concerns. But uh, we have looked at artificially sweetened beverages, which would be aspartame, and we don't see uh, an increase in cardiovascular disease or. Uh, overall mortality, maybe a hint in people consuming just a tight little blip in people consuming four more servings a day. But again, uh, contrast that with uh, regular sugar sweetened beverages. There's a huge contrast. There's definitely increases in diabetes, cardiovascular disease with regular sugar sweetened beverages. Okay. Let's go to the phones to James in Portland, Oregon. Hi, James. Hi. Uh, my question is uh, about the relationship between sucralose and, uh, to a lesser extent, aspartame with SIBO and IBS. And also, do you think that the, there's a correlation between the increase in um, larger numbers of young people developing colon cancer and the increase in the amount of sucralose use? Yeah, there has been that uptick. Uh, I don't think we have any direct evidence of that. Uh, again, uh, if someone is having, well, like with irritable bowel syndrome that you mentioned, if someone's having um, symptoms, there's no harm in, in taking some of these artificial sweeteners. There's no harm in getting off of them and seeing if the symptoms improve. I think you can be your own judge in something like that. Uh, but uh, in terms of the increase in risk of 
colorectal cancer in younger individuals, and basically mostly under 50. Uh, I don't think we have any evidence that that's mm. due to artificial sweetener mm-hmm. use. Uh, definitely part of it is due to the increasing rates of overweight and obesity, uh, whether that explains all of this increase in uh, of colorectal cancer, uh, it's not so clear, but a fairly substantial piece uh, is explained by the increase in overweight and obesity. This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. Question from Facebook. Do artificial sweeteners raise insulin levels, and what are the resulting consequences? Now, I've heard of research way, you know, I can't remember when, where the body may be tricked into thinking that it's not an artificial <coughs> sweetener when you when you taste it. Could that be happening, Dr. Willett? Uh, again, uh, it depends what you're comparing it to, but there's definitely not the same increase in blood sugar, very little increase in blood sugar and insulin response to that as we would get from a regular sugar uh, source. So, it's, it's, so there has been this hypothesis that uh, they may be a problem because uh, they uh, keep us conditioned to a high level of sweetness, and therefore we want mm-hmm. to eat a lot of sweet foods and beverages, and there may be something to that. Uh, and most of the evidence has not supported that, but I think it's, I, I, I think that's still a possibility. And again, it's uh, an issue of um, keeping this expectation of a high level of sweetness in everything we eat and drink uh, is pushing in a, a direction of a less healthy diet. It's, it is going to be harder to appreciate the gentle sweetness of a fresh carrot or a, a fresh apple if we expect everything to be super sweet. So uh, the um, and the food industry probably an- could answer many of these questions better than any of us in the scientific community because they spend vast amounts of money yeah. uh, identifying just how much sweetness Americans expect to consume in their foods. And it, they know if they go down a little bit, they can lose market share. So they're keeping us conditioned to this very high level of sweetness it's in all, our It's in all our about system. the money again as we keep. Sam in South Carolina, welcome to Science Friday. Hi, Sam. Are you Hi. there? Hey. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't have a question. It's just more of an observation. Uh, I I wait tables, uh, and I've been doing it for years, and I've noticed that people who drink diet soda uh, want their, their diet soda refilled at a much higher rate than any other uh, soft drink. Even the sugary soft drink? Even the sugary soft drinks, it's always the diet sodas uh, that I'm uh, constantly refilling. Wow, that's that's a great observation. Let me get a reaction. Thanks, Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see, Margie, that you're <laughs> smiling or laughing about that one. Uh, <laughs> How do you see me? Um, yes, that, that, that is an interesting observation. And um, and I, I agree with what Dr. Willett said. I think people can become accustomed to this sweetness in, in their beverages, and 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 I, I don't know in, in terms of that specific example, but that's also a reason to be cautious with with children, um, whether giving children uh, artificially sweetened beverages or other foods, because that you know they could develop a, a taste for sweetness that you know, then tracks into adulthood. So um, I think uh, you know it's, it's something to keep in mind and. And generally speaking, people who drink or consume a lot of uh, low-calorie sweeteners or artificially uh, artificial sweeteners don't necessarily have better diets 
better diet quality. Studies have shown that they may have worse diet quality and actually consume um, more added sugar from other sources, too. Well, so there's, there is the, the message that, uh, you know, the, the takeaway is uh, if you have to use artificial sweeteners, go ahead. But it, it's better to not be so sweet. Calm down uh, your, your taste buds for uh, expecting all this sweetness. I want to thank both of you for taking time to be with us today. Marjorie McCullough, Senior Scientific Director of Epidemiology Research. That's at the American Cancer Society based in Atlanta. Dr. Walter Willett, Professor of Epidemiology and Nutrition at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health based in, of course, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thank you both for taking time to be with us today. Thank you. Thank Have a good you. weekend. You too.